Blackwater, The Wagner Group, Executive Outcomes, The Flying Tigers, The Swiss Guard, The White Company, The Knights Templar, The Varangian Guard, Clerkus of Sparta, Pythagoras the Spartan, Mentor of Rhodes, Socrates of Achaea. The list is endless. Mercenaries, Guns for Hire, Soldiers of Fortune, Private Military Companies, Private Security Contractors, Dirty Deeds, <laughs> Not So Dirt Cheap. History is replete with privatized militaries. Call them what you want. They have been around for a very long time, and they are very likely not going away anytime soon. And like it or not, wars are good, very good for business. Furthermore, history tells us that more people are enslaved and killed by such means as greed, corruption, oppression, and tyranny than by any other means. So choose the red pill, remove your blinders, all of them, and take a good sensory inventory of what you're being told and shown to believe. Because here we go. Hello everyone, and welcome to another episode of Oconus, The Contractor's Life. Talking from the relatively insulated and bucolic rural foothills of northwestern Washington State. I'm your host, Scott Dresser. Life as a private security contractor in a hostile or a war-torn zone, or as some call it, an austere or a non-permissive environment. Well, it is a mixed bag of blessings. Some good and some not so good. All in all though, private security contracting is much the same as life. It is what you make it. The MENA region, or the Middle East North Africa region. Lands of enchantment, lands of mystery, lands of the old ones and the ancient ones. Myths, legends, folklore, maybe. If you believe what you read in the ancient and the holy texts, then you know that it all centered around what we refer to as the MENA region. That's right, the Mediterranean. And you probably also know that to every legend or myth, there is a base of at least some truth. All right, everyone, thank you for tuning in to this episode of Oconus, the Contractor's Life. In the previous episode, I believe I referenced, mentioned, uh, that we were going to go back to Iraq. Well, after thinking about it and pondering for a time, I realized, you know what? Ashley did a pretty darn good job of covering down on that in previous episodes. And in fact, I think uh, maybe even a previous season. Not to say that there isn't some stuff that was lost or missed, wasn't covered or not uh, covered uh, completely, just as with the other stuff throughout the seasons. As I've mentioned, there will come a point where there will be a series of recollections, if you will. Um, stuff that wasn't covered, stuff that was covered but not completely, stuff that was left out or missed. Put it all together, big compilation. That said, I think what we're going to do is we're going to move forward to the next project 
going back to Afghanistan. But on the way there, we're going to take a detour through southern United States of America, primarily the state of New Mexico, where after I finished up with my project that I was doing in the Baghdad area of Iraq, I went to for the WPS or the Worldwide Protective Services Program under the State Department, previously known as WPPS or Worldwide Personal Protective Security Services. Same thing, they just took the word personal out of it. Um, so to keep this more or less on track and moving forward, we'll take that brief detour. Event, well, brief, relatively speaking, who knows. But we will get back to Afghanistan and pick up with the projects that came after that. So hope you're all good with that. That's where we're going. In order to do that and put it in proper context. So after I had left the project that I was at in the Jalalabad region of Afghanistan with EODT, went home, I think by the time I flew out, and flew back in again, uh, you know, after flying home from Afghanistan and then flying from home to Iraq. I want to say it was roughly approximately two-month stint at home. So we went through that. I finished that up while I was there because I had begun the process of the WPS actually earlier when I was in Iraq <laughs> before I went to Afghanistan. Some of you might recall that when I was down in the southern part of Iraq, uh, near an area that some people would say was the birthplace of Jesus Christ. So in the Nazarene region, that's where it first came to light and, and I was told about it and started talking to people about it, recruiters and one thing or another. Uh, but here I am, so got the project. Um, it was quite a process to get through it. That whole thing was, was, was a long process. Um, it almost doesn't matter who you are or what your background is. I mean, depending on your background and your history, um, it can be expedited. It can be sped up. And it doesn't take as long. And you don't have to maybe go through as many hoops, maybe. But regardless, it is a process. And uh, sometimes you're scratching your head going, wow, man, is this really worth it? <laughs> okay, no, so this is before you even hit the ground for instruction and training. And, and most of it's, I mean, there's, a, there's more training than there is instruction, but there's plenty of both um, in, in, in the WPS program. It's not the only program out there that, that you know, gets pretty immersive. Um, and sometimes, you know, it's kind of hard to tell what time or what day of the week it is if you don't have a watch. And sometimes they don't want you wearing a watch. Uh, for example, like on certain PT tests, you know, they tell you to take your watch off. Either leave it at, in, your, in your hooch, wherever it is you're staying, or take it off and give it to one of the instructors, like when you're running. Um, I don't, <laughs> it's, you know, there's a lot of psychology and mind stuff that goes behind this. Um, and, there, and for good reason, you know, especially so as you're climbing your way upward or as you're graduating, stepping, whatever you're doing, going up the escalator, um, elevator, whatever you want to call it. Um, you know, there's just things tend to get a little bit more intense 
in the instruction training thing. And at some point, you get to a point, usually not always, but usually where they start becoming what we refer to as vetting courses. So there's no, there's no official organized instruction and training, but there's plenty of courses that you go through every day through the days and weeks that you're there just to vet to make sure that you can do what they're asking you to do, what you're supposed to do, what you're going to need to do potentially without hurting or killing yourself or somebody else. So with that said, I've pretty much wrapped up the process for the WPS thing. I've been accepted. I don't remember what month it was. I want to say August or September of that year. Uh, I think it was 2010, might have actually been 2011, I think. Um, so I you know, went through the whole thing, uh, don't have a clearance. That's pretty much the only thing you haven't got as well as, I mean, the, the specific clearance, unless you've already worked for these folks in the past and you took some time off. Um, and then you go through their refresher course, which is significantly less in terms of duration. Um, so there I am uh, in the Baghdad area with uh, Torres. And uh, I don't remember at some point I send off the email telling these people what's going on. I pass the word around. Some are very happy for me and others don't even want to talk to me. <laughs> Okay, one of them is one of the heads in the head shed at Torres, but he knows he's got an obligation. He knows I've got friends there on the ground, um, some of whom, you know, from various agencies, and they like me, or at the very least, they at least appreciate the effort and the work that I'm putting in on the ground. So, you know, who is this dude for a client private contractor to not do what needs to be done? So anyway, he did it. <laughs> I got what I needed, uh, flew home, I don't remember, I, I, I want to say it was somewhere middle or late October, um, I probably didn't have to fly out until sometime in the month of November, um, as I recollect, the WPS training course, this was the first class for WPS, it was the first WPS um, after WPPS and WPPS 2, they were thinking about WPPS 3, but decided to just make it WPS. Okay, so there we are. Um, I get that, and I'd have to look back at some documentation and certifications just, you know, to make sure I have the exact dates. But it was somewhere between the end of October and the first week of November, as I recollect, where we hit the ground at the airport um, and I want to say we didn't land at an airport in New Mexico. We actually landed at an airport in Arizona and vice versa. We'll get to that eventually same airport we flew out when we were all done. So while we flew into Arizona and then we motorcaded uh, into where we were at in New Mexico, I don't know. Um, you know, at some point I may decide to go ahead and divulge the actual place that we trained, but there were NDAs for that. And, you know, I think sometimes for good reason, there is a good reason to not come right out and just tell the general public where it was that this was done. Um, what I can say is it was more or less, <laughs> more or less, in the vicinity of Albuquerque in New Mexico. Okay. And. 
as far as I can go, and this is and this will be the last thing I say that'll help you figure out maybe where it might have been, or at least the proximity to okay, is that at night, um, it's amazing just how dark it gets there at night, um, and how bright everything is because it's so dark. So stars, the heavens, the border lights, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> okay. Uh, but that's where we were. So we land. Um, and the process of getting there with all the paperwork and there was a lot of background investigative stuff, not only on me, but family members and people I'd worked for. I mean, it, it was a long drawn out process. Finally get there, land at the airport in, in Arizona. I don't remember what the airport was. I'll probably go back and look it up and tell you the city and the town and all that, the airport. Got there, I want to say mid-afternoon-ish, somewhere around there, when I came out of the airport after my flight. And within probably uh, an hour, roughly, we were all assembled. And we were all outside at that point. And the vehicle was rolled up. And we climbed into them um, and did our motorcade to the place that would be our home for instruction and training for the next seven weeks. Yes, it's a seven-week process if you've not been through it before. Uh, within a, there's a, They give you a time frame. I don't remember how many years once you get out or stop doing it, in which case you get to go through the refresher training, which is roughly approximately two weeks. But the initial train-up is seven weeks. With the exception, it can be six if you do that last module, that last one week of training, in country but i gander it is the preference of both the client entity to have it done their stateside for a lot of reasons it just makes sense they'd rather just you know what just get it all done it's all here because they were on the ground to see it and hear it and witness it um you know swear an oath testimony all that stuff that it actually happened then they feel good that you're going downrange with all the skills and tools that you need to do your job properly. Makes a lot of sense. So we're there, and I, I know it seems to me that I've talked about this briefly in the past, but I never really covered down on it because it's seven weeks. Um, and like a lot of stuff that I've been talking about and will continue to talk about, I'm not going to be able to recollect, recollect all of it in fine granular detail. A lot of it will come back to me in flashes and spurts and bits and pieces here and there. Again, there will be a combined compilation of recollections and the WPS training curriculum and going to Afghanistan for the final two years or two and a half years will also, I mean, it's just, that's inevitable. It's what's going to happen. But there I am now Made the drive, and it was a long drive. I want to say two or three hours. Maybe it was more. might have even been four hours. All I know is it was nighttime. <laughs> when we rolled in to what was going to be our home for the next seven weeks, it was dark. Headlights were on, and they'd been on for probably an hour, hour and a half by the time we got there. Um, so, you know, I mean, a nice, quaint, little tribal-like village out in the middle, nestled in the middle of nowhere. Um, you got some stuff, and during the daylight hours, you get to drive around, walk around, and you go, oh, okay, it's not that bad. It's not that remote, and um, 
but there's not a whole lot to do there, <laughs> okay? As I recollect, there was a bowling alley that also had a cafeteria and other type facilities within it, but, I mean, they were far and few between. There was a, a place where we had a gym uh, that you could go to 24-7. It was open 24-7. You just had to have the code. Um, so, I mean, but there just really wasn't a whole lot more than that. The general store for what it was, you know, kind of like a, take a, a miniature AM, PM, you know, a mini AM, PM, um, or a Haji shop kind of is what it kind of was like. Uh, but, you know, you could get a lot of stuff there. For the rest of it, you just had to go out into town. And we did make time, not a lot of time, but there were times that we made time to go to town, whether we went to Albuquerque or somewhere else to get stuff that we needed um, or that was highly desired. So there we are. I want to say roughly three days approximately um, of admin, administrative stuff, um, both in the classroom <coughs> um, or, you know, the place that would be our classroom for a lot of the instruction and briefing and debriefing stuff. And uh, so around the third day, it might have actually been the third day, so it was the third or fourth day, we actually began in earnest with the one-and-a-half-mile march, or run, I should say, along with the rest of the physical fitness stuff that we had to go through, uh, you know, running quick courses, stretching things, you know, just how, you know, are we nimble and agile enough and slim enough um, that we can accomplish the basic physical stuff to prove that, you know, we can do it. Push-ups, pull-ups, all of it. Sit-ups, uh, the run. There might have been some other stuff, too, that were part of it. Again, if I recollect it, I'll come back to it. So, so that's kind of where we're at in, in this phase of my career doing this. Uh, so we're certainly in the first week. And if I, since it seems to me I neglected in this episode, it was Aegis. Okay. So the company uh, was a division of Aegis Defense Services, the British aero, or defense company that you may or may not be aware of. But they formed a division, Aegis North America, LLC, so that they were properly licensed and registered to operate and do business within the U.S. Because for the, for the program, they had to, well, Americans, okay? If you're going to be, you know, if you're, a, even if, if you're a PSS, okay, which is Protective Security Specialist, or even if you're a non-PSS, so, for example, maybe some of your medics, maybe some of the managers don't need to go through all the shooting and gun stuff and, and a lot of other stuff and the driving and just all the things that we got to go through. So some of that stuff, either they just get a quick introduction to it, but they don't go through the whole module or the sets of modules. Um, so <clears throat> I've met some guys that were non-PSS. And as I recollect, they say that their stint there was something on the order of two to three weeks. Um, so I was PSS, so I, I don't know for sure. Um, I don't remember any non-PSS people being present in our class while we, while we were there. I do remember some folks going home early because they weren't keeping up with things. The instructors uh, just didn't feel that these guys had what it took to stay with it. They didn't, it was a, they came to the conclusion. These people just either didn't have what it took or they didn't have what it took to up the ante and get to where they needed to be. 
So there's a fairly high bar in that program. Now, I do know people that are part of this program to this day that say, man, that bar has fallen quite a bit. It's really close to the ground now. Now, you know, that's probably in relative terms. You know, I don't think it's quite that bad, but I mean, I don't know. Who knows? I mean, on the one hand, I'm thinking it can't be that bad if guys I know are still doing it or getting back into it. But then maybe it is that bad, you know. I mean, I'm not going to call any of them a liar because I'm not on the ground there. Um, but I have been told, man, Scott, you don't want to come back. If you did, you're going to be throwing up and pulling your hair out and raging. Okay, you know, whatever. Um, maybe I would, maybe I wouldn't. I mean, some things never change. Other things do. You know, you got to be adaptable. In this industry, you have got to be adaptable. No other way to put it. So, uh, with that said, so, you know, the first week uh, was, was admin, that, that initial PT stuff. Uh, it wasn't really PFT because that's physical fitness training. We, it was a PT test uh, or PFT, so physical fitness test. So, we did that. Uh, we did some other things. Uh, and then we went to the classroom and finished out that week, uh, basically being introduced to the program, being introduced to the instructors, being introduced to each other, uh, being shown what the program was going to look like um, and kind of how it would work. So that was basically the first week, certainly the first five to seven days of that program. Um, and, it, you know, we were given the, the material that we needed so we could go back and self-study before we went back to the classroom the next day um, so that we at least have something in our minds that we could work with before they started talking and showing us and we went out and did things. And yes, we went out in the field a lot, which is fine. I mean, otherwise, you know, <laughs> it doesn't matter. Summer, fall, winter, uh, you know, sitting in a classroom for three, four, five, six hours gets, I mean, at some point you can't drink enough coffee, Right. So, you know, in that first five to seven days from the time that we landed until the end of the, say, the five to seven days, we had met pretty much everybody we needed to meet. We met the instructors. We met the program manager for the company um, and his assistant. Uh, we met some of the recruiters and HR people, and uh, we got our places to sleep and where we're going to, you know, same place we would eat. Now, we dined breakfast, and sometimes we'd break for lunch and dinner was available at the same dining hall that uh, I didn't always go to because sometimes there just wasn't enough time in the day. It was kind of like, okay, do I eat and then go work out or do I work out and hope I can get there in time to eat? Well, at one point, and you know, I don't want to go too far ahead of myself, but you know, I found out that what I do is go to that cafeteria and grab apples and bananas and oranges and other stuff so that if I didn't have time to eat after I was work out, because the place had closed, and I don't remember what time it closed exactly. I want to say roughly 8 p.m. it was closed. So, uh, you know, you had to be there like 7.45, maybe 7.50 at the latest. Uh, so I could just, you know, not a big deal. I'll just go back to my room. At least I had something to eat, you know. And somebody usually had something you could snack on if you were really, really hungry. But uh, it's just a, it's a fast-paced thing. And... Sometimes it's just like when you're downrange. You just sometimes you don't get your chance to eat. You just got to do what's got to be done. So anyway, that's the first week there. With that said, I want to thank you, everyone, for taking time out of your day 
or your afternoon or your evening to listen to me talk about private security contracting overseas, as well as, at least occasionally, some of my experiences as a private security contractor here in the States. So thank you to my wife, for whom I owe immeasurable gratitude. That will never get old to me, folks, just letting you know. Thank you to my family, my friends, and all the people, male and female, who have been and still are a part of my life. Remember, folks, it takes a team. The grass is not always greener on the other side. Be careful what you wish for. You might just get it. Stay humble, stay safe, and keep others safe by being aware and staying frosty. And until next time, keep it real. Oconus the Contractor's Life extends a special thank you to music composer Kava Cohen and to Colin Perry of Ninja Tracks for allowing Oconus the Contractor's Life the use of Kava's song, Heavy Clutch, from the music soundtrack to the game Forza Motorsport 7. And also, a big thank you to Andres Rodriguez, who can be found at the Fiverr website for his excellent original music scores.